Ephesians chapter 4, and the title of my message is Do Not Grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm asking you that not one person, not one, not one, you prayed that. You prayed to the Father that you would not lose any. And I pray, God, not one at the sound of my voice today would be lost. Not one would go down into darkness. Not one would have something left in his or her heart that would cause them harm, even to do themselves harm in the future. I ask you, Lord, as a skilled surgeon, that you would go deep into the heart and extricate anything in any of our hearts that is causing us to a future, Lord, that we would deeply regret. I pray for the grace, Lord, to receive this, the understanding that you love us. You love us with an unquenchable love. And so, Father, I thank you for this. I thank you for this word today. Blessed, O oh God, and may it produce great fruit in my heart and the hearts of the people. Jesus, Son of God, when I get to the throne, one day, I don't want one person here today to be missing. This is my request. And I thank you in your precious name. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. I'm going to stop in some of these verses as we go. In other words, Paul says, don't walk as those outside of the kingdom of God walk with an empty mind, an empty future, or just a forming thoughts that lead to nothing of God. It leads to no eternal conclusion. It brings no life. It's empty. It's vain. It's void. It's powerless. It's purposeless. It leaves people at the end of their days with a wagon load of if-onlys. At the end of their lifetime. Don't walk that way Paul says to the church of Ephesus. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Their understanding is dark in other words. They are apart from this incredible life that God would have given to them freely. They're not partakers of it. There's a spiritual ignorance inside their hearts. And they are blind to what they could be, to what they could have. And they're actually blind to where they're going. Who being past feeling. And this is an incredible thought. In other words, past the moment where your conscience can be moved. Oh God, may there never be anybody here like that. May we never get to the point where God can't speak to us anymore. Where we've, we've put our reasonings above the word of God. We've, we've pushed away. The, leading, the leadership of God. And we get to the point. It, old time saints used to call it gospel hardened. We've heard the truth. But we've, we've let the sin nature. Our fallen sin nature. Circumvent the truth. And we say well I, I can be as God is. And I know what is good. And I know what is evil. And that can happen. I've, met, I've known about seven people like that in my lifetime. Who I believe were past feeling couldn't be reached anymore with the gospel, even though they had sat for years in some cases in the house of God. 
They've given themselves over to lewdness. That means immorality without conscience. They can live all kinds of immoral lifestyles and somehow feel that heaven is still going to be their home at the end of their journey. To work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And Paul's saying to Ephesus, but this is not you. This ought not to be you. There should be nobody within the sound of my voice that whose life qualifies to be included in these previous verses, in these previous conditions. That you, verse 22, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. In other words, the old nature, the old mind, the old ways of doing things is actually increasing in corruption. It deceives itself into thinking it's moving forward, but it's actually going backwards the whole time. It's going deeper and farther into darkness. It's impossible to really grow into what we're designed by God to be without God at the center core of our thoughts and our actions. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let every one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that when you opened your heart to receiving Jesus Christ, as your Savior and Lord, you became a new creation. The Spirit of God came to dwell inside this earthly temple. You were born again by the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that the old things, the old reasonings, the old patterns, the old thoughts died. They, in other words, they lost their power to govern your present and to determine your future. The old things passed away and all things became new. When you open your heart to Christ, you were born again by the Spirit of God. Born into a new life. Born into a new pattern, a new way of thinking. Born into a new future. The future that God alone had destined for your life. When you give your life to Christ, we are not adding God, in a sense, to our pattern that we think our life should be. We are literally abandoning what we thought our life should be. And being born again by the Spirit of God, we are allowing God to begin to lead us. John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus that came to Christ and he couldn't understand these things. How can a man be born again? What do you mean be born again? You see, Nicodemus' religion was regimented. His religion could offer him a 10-year plan, may I put it that way. His religion allowed him to plan his life, what I'm going to do Monday, what I'm going to do Tuesday, what I'm going to do Wednesday. And Jesus knew what I'm going to do next year, what I'm going to do the next, the year after, how my life is going to look here. That's what religion without the Spirit actually quite often does. 
But Jesus counters this whole thing by telling Nicodemus, no, you have to be born of the spirit. And this is what it looks like, he tells him in John chapter three. He says, as the wind comes from one place and goes to another, and you don't know where it's come from, and you're not quite sure where it's going, that's what it's like. That's what it means to be born of the spirit. Everyone who's born of the spirit is like that. We're not planning our own life. We're not planning our own future. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 says, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I thank God. Folks, if I would, after giving my life to, to Jesus Christ, there's no way I could have ever figured out that I would one day preach the gospel, one day establish a church, one day travel the country as a revivalist, and one day end up in New York City. And heaven knows where I'll be five years from now. I don't know. I don't know because that's what it means to be born of the Spirit. It's not my plan. It's his. It's not my will. It's the will of God. You don't... Philip, the evangelist, had a wonderful ministry going in Samaria. Devils are fleeing. Miracles are happening. It's seemingly the whole city and society is turning to God. Then suddenly the Spirit of God speaks to him and says, Arise and just go into the desert. Doesn't even tell him why or where he's going. Just, just head out into this dry, barren place. And there's something I have for you because you're a man, a person that can hear my voice. And you're willing to be led of the spirit, not led of the old way, not led of the old nature, the old mind that has to know and understand and plan. Isn't that laborious? It is. It's laborious. It's awful. It's awful because your mind is so limited. You have a 10. I, somebody here's probably got a 10 year plan because it keeps coming into my mind this day. But your 10 year plan is so dismal compared to God's plan for your life. You might even be dead before 10 years is up. So. Maybe you should give up the 10-year plan and let God begin to live and lead your life. Paul says it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. It's God inside of us bringing us to where his heart longs for us to be. And you and I in agreement yielding to his power to take us there. Quite often what God speaks about we're not capable of performing. That's what makes this such an incredible life. God speaks. This is where I'm going to take you. This is what I'm going to do. The response that we have quite often is the same that every saint has ever had all through the ages. Are you sure you have the right person? The Lord is not bound by our abilities or lack thereof or any of that. He just needs a willing heart that says, Lord, yes, where you lead me, I will follow you. Whatever door you open, I will go through it. And I thank God the Christian life should be exciting. If it gets anything less than something is wrong with it. Jesus said, when the spirit of God has come, the Holy Spirit, the comforter of God, he will speak to you and he will show you what is mine and will show you things to come. Everything the father has, Christ said, is mine. You find this in John chapter 16, if you want to read it later. He says, everything that the father has is mine and the Holy Spirit will take it and he will show you things to come. He will show you the victory he will show you the plan. He will show you the power. He will show you the will of God. He will show you things to come in the future. Giftings, callings, trips, journeys that you never imagined you would ever do. You find yourself in places that you're not qualified to be. And you don't have to be qualified to be there because it's Christ in you 
that's the hope of glory. You're a vessel that is surrendered to God. You're not there trying to figure it out. You're now standing there saying, Lord, what would you have me to say? What would you have me to do? I thank God for that. He will walk with us. The Holy Spirit will. He will walk in us. He will walk through our struggles, through our trials, through our failures, and even through our lack of understanding. I am awestruck at the humility of God. Because when you open your heart to Christ, assuming you are a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, assuming that your reason for being here is beyond just religion, you really do want to be saved by trusting in Christ for your salvation. You want God's Holy Spirit to abide in your physical temple. He will come. He will take up residence. And that's where the, the fuel source of the new life comes from. It's God inside of you. Do you understand? You have God in your earthen vessel. God. Not a fuzzy concept about God. Not thoughts about God. You actually have God living inside this earthen vessel. Now let that settle down deep. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. Equally one with God, inseparable from God, and in fact is God. God. So everywhere you go, he goes. I want you to think about that. The Holy Spirit in us, in the heart of a genuine believer. I'm not talking about religious game players. But in a genuine believer, the Holy Spirit will not depart, though we carry him to places and make him witness our failures in thought and deed. Do you ever think that when you go on the internet and you're clickety-clicking and you're looking at stuff that you're making the Spirit of God watch that with you? Or at, maybe at best making him close his eyes? Everywhere you go, he goes. You're not leaving God behind anywhere you go. You're not leaving God behind in any conversation. That's why you'll see in Ephesians 4, it's all about conversation at the end of this chapter. You're not leaving him behind. You're forcing him to listen to what you're saying. That's the incredible humility of God. Now, in the book of Romans, in chapter 8, listen to what the, Paul the Apostle says. Verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. I'll stop there just for a moment. Don't you love God this morning for the fact that he doesn't leave when we struggle? That he's willing to take up residence in these earthly bodies and walk with us through our mess, our frustrations, our failings. When we turn, when we turn the lights out and think nobody's there, he's there. There's no hiding from God. He lives inside you. How do you hide from him? Where do you go to hide from his presence? As David once said, if I make my bed in hell, even there. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he, that's the Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. In other words, if you are not living right according to the truth of God, the Holy Spirit is groaning for you inside of you right now. Groaning for you. Groaning for you. 
Just as Jesus stood one day before the tomb of Lazarus, knowing he was going to raise him from the dead. But the scripture says he groaned and it was an audible, loud groan in the heart of the son of God. And the groan came with tears and it wasn't for Lazarus. He knew he could raise him from the dead. It was for the people around who didn't believe he could. And I believe he saw right through time all those that would be brought to the proximity of where the power of God is, but not able to be brought to a place of faith. And there's groaning in the heart of God. If you only knew how much I loved you. If you only knew why I came to a cross to get you. If you only fully understood the plans that I have for you. If you fully understood that when I lost Adam in the Garden of Eden, I had a plan already in my heart to go and get you back. Because I've loved you with an everlasting love. And that's why I engraved you on the palms of my hands. Not willing. A nursing mother could forget her child. But I can't forget you, the Lord said. There's something in the heart of God. And so I want you to understand, if you're doing what you shouldn't be doing, and you're in places you shouldn't be, and you're thinking things you shouldn't think and you've embraced concepts of God even that are wrong. There's a groaning inside of you for you. It's God's Holy Spirit groaning, praying, interceding. Oh, Father, that he would understand, that she would understand the power, the pathway, the purpose that I have for their life. That she or he would understand that life is not meant to be lived like this. That in Christ there's something a million times better for them. That he or she could have eyes to see that a walk with God is not just about time. It's about forever. Groaning. 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 Not angry. Not with folded arms. Not with tapping impatient foot, with groaning. Oh God, if you've never known that groaning, then you've never had a child that's gone astray. If you have a child that goes astray one day, you'll understand what that groaning is. You'll understand what it's like to get on your knees and pray to the only one that can bring back right thinking in a heart and in a mind. It's assumed that if you're a genuine believer, you want to do what is right. Now you may find yourself like the apostle Paul. I know what I is right. He wrote about it in Romans six, seven and eight. He says, I, I know what's right. And I actually inwardly delight in it. But the things that I don't want to do, I find myself always doing who will deliver me from the body of this death. He said, there's a law at work inside of me that fights against the law of Christ. That's now in me. No, unless you think the battle is unique to you, it's common to all people. And God knew that when he came to indwell you. He didn't come and indwell you and I because we had it all together. He came to indwell us because we were a mess and we needed a savior. And he came with a willingness in his heart to walk with us through our mess, through our trials, through our difficulties, knowing that we are little by little, line by line. Moment by moment, hour by hour, year by year, we are changing into the image of what God in us has created us to be. As Paul the Apostle said, I've not arrived, 
but I'm leaving behind yesterday by God's grace and I'm moving forward to that which God has called me to be. It is assumed that if you're a believer, you want to do right. John chapter three, Jesus says in verses 20 and 21, whoever does truth comes to the light, is not afraid of the light. Let's God examine the heart, is not afraid of reproof, isn't afraid of a moment like this, is not trying to draw back and hide in darkness, is not the type of person who hates the light, but says, God, if I am yours, bring me to the light. I, I don't want anything in me that's, that's going to hurt me or others. I, I don't want anything in my life that's going to cause me to fall short of, of what my life should be. I don't want to finish in defeat. I want to finish in victory. I don't want to be a non-player in the kingdom of God. I want to have an effect. I want to, as Derek, as Pastor Derek and Vicky are doing, I want to be able to bring somebody to the house of God who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. God, help me. God, help me. I'm not afraid of the light. I'm not afraid of reproof. I'm not afraid to open my Bible and have it examine me. God forbid that I should ever try to redefine the word of God to fit my lifestyle or fit my way of thinking, which many people in our generation are attempting to do. There's a huge difference between light and darkness. Everyone who does truth comes to the light that it may be proven that their deeds have been birthed in God. And so I'm hoping today with all my heart that you're not afraid of the light. I hope. He says, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. This is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. If you have a singleness of the eye, uh, listen, I've struggled just like you do. I've had days where I just, I wanted to throw in the towel. I, I've had situations where I couldn't forgive in my own strength. It's, I've gone through all the stuff that you go through. You know, you only get to see me at my suit on Sunday. In my Bible and the message, uh, well, you, you probably have an, uh, an impression that we can't go to bed like this and just fold our hands and get up in the morning. And, oh, you don't see us coming up the stairs in our pajamas looking for a coffee. Wondering sometimes, how am I going to get through another day? But if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. And the goodness of the eye is simply this. Jesus, I want you. I want you. Remember, Paul said, beholding him, we are changed. Beholding, that means more than just looking at like a, a manufactured vision of Christ on the throne in your mind. It means beholding him, beholding him. He's the word of God. Beholding him, we are changed by the spirit of God from image to image and glory to glory. In other words, we are changed we are changed supernaturally from what we are into that person that God has destined us to be by the Holy Spirit. This, it makes Christianity is a miraculous, it's a miraculous life. It's, it's, it's a wondrous life. How else can I explain it? It never gets old. And we've never gone beyond in age or strength where God is not able to do something new. Or even more powerful than he did before. That's why I believe the glory of the latter temple is greater than the former. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how 
Great is that darkness. Paul the apostle said in the last days, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6, it will be characterized by a love of pleasure and it will be characterized by a form of godliness that denies the power of God. A form of God. That means there will be a lot of people who go to church, but they're not willing to go with God where God is leading them. And Paul even says, from such turn away. If you're not interested in living in the truth that you're hearing, then the truth that you do know but refuse to obey strengthens the darkness in you until the darkness eventually overpowers the light. If the light that be in you be darkness, there's no deeper darkness than a religious darkness. You say, Pastor, is that possible? Can it happen? Who killed Jesus? Religious people who had formed thoughts and theories about God. They, they didn't have a purity of heart in many cases to, to really study because it was all there. It was all about him. It was about his, his victory. It was about what he was going to do for them. I have known in my lifetime about seven people that terrified me. Seven people who were not novices in the kingdom of God. Seven people who had studied truth, but had made the choice because of a lack of willingness to walk in the truth, to succumb to the fallen nature, which wants to be as God. Remember, the fallen nature of man wants to be as God and determine in itself what is right and what is wrong. That is the danger that we face. If, if truth, if, if you come to the house of God and pretend to love truth, but truth is not finding an inroad into your heart and beginning to change you by the power of the Holy Spirit, the natural result is you will redefine the truth and come up with another truth that is a religious darkness. I sat one time with a couple that were going astray, seriously going astray. And I opened my Bible, husband and wife, and I said, I didn't say anything. I just opened my Bible and I, I told him, I said, I have serious concerns about the direction you're heading in. And I read a scripture and he said to me, well, pastor, that's your opinion, but we believe. I didn't offer an opinion. Then I turned to another passage of the, of the scripture and I read it. I just read it. And then again, he said, well, that, that's what you think, but we believe. Then I turned to a third passage of scripture. I read it. And then again, he said, well, that's just your opinion, Pastor. But we believe. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, close the Bible. The light in them has turned to darkness. I dare say no one should ever pray for this. Now you say to me today, how do I know that I've not crossed the line? How do I know that I've not come to that place where I can't be spoken to? My heart is hard where I've, I've substituted a lie for truth and believe now that it is truth, or I've, I've excused away a sinful lifestyle, and it's, I'm in danger now because I've gotten away with it so long. I've, I've, I've kept coming to the house of the Lord, and I can kind of feel his presence, and yet I go out and I keep practicing the, the same willful sin in my life. How do I know that I'm not at the place where I've so grieved the Spirit of God that he can't speak to me anymore? Well, it's simple. You can still hear his voice. You can still hear him. You're not sitting here angry at me this morning because I'm challenging 
something in your life. I'm being used of God. It's not me. I'm being used of the Spirit to challenge something in your life. The book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 7 to 13, you can read it later if you want, but the writer of Hebrews says, today, if you can hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as the people once did in the wilderness. And because of it, they became a grief to the very heart of God. And he said, they will not enter into my rest. I had a place for them. I had somewhere I was going to take them, but they wouldn't listen. And they hardened their hearts to the voice of God. They, they became obstinate. They said, well, if you're not going to bless my journey, if you're not going to bless my thought process, if you're not going to tell me I'm good and fine and everything is right, then I'm just simply going to shut my ears. I'm not going to listen. It either comes my way or no way. But if you can still hear, if conviction is still in your heart, if you are listening to the sound of my voice right now and you're troubled because there's something in you that you know ought not to be there, something you are doing somewhere, you've gone, something you're becoming and you know you shouldn't be going there, then you better thank God. That's the Holy Spirit groaning inside of you. Groaning for you. Groaning for you. Do you understand? Groaning for you. Groaning that you would know. Groaning that you would understand that you don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. There is a pathway for your life that God has orchestrated for your life and is leading you on. And the whole Christian walk is God is leading you out of darkness, the scripture says, into his marvelous light. By the power of the spirit and by the promises of God, you are daily changing from what you used to be into what God has destined you to be. And you have become a testimony to this lost and dying world that there is a God. He does save. He does change. He does do what only God can do inside of every heart, inside of every life. That's why the apostle Paul says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not sadden the heart of God. I beg you in Christ's name, consider what I say. The love of God is powerful for you. The love of God sent Christ to a cross to get you. The love of God caused the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within you, knowing that God himself would have to walk through your dirt and your struggles and argue with you and plead every day. There's a better way. I've got something for you. Freedom can be more than a song we sing on Sunday morning. It can be a life experience. If you will yield and let him take you, he has so much for you. It will soon be the joy and rejoicing of your heart. Oh God, Oh God, I dread speaking to you this morning and one day being at the throne of God and you're not there. I urge you to get up today and choose to walk with Jesus Christ. Agree with God. In spite of my struggles, Lord, I am and will be a new creation in Christ. Oh God, thank you. 
I want you to just think about for a moment, wherever you've been, whatever you've done for the last month, let's say, for the last year, if you can still hear his voice, that means he's still with you. That means he didn't abandon you. Even though you made him walk through a pig pen, he didn't abandon you. Incredible humility of God. I'm awestruck by the humility of God. I'm awestruck by it. I mean awestruck. God, you are holy. You're absolutely other than what I am. Yet you take up your abode. You, 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 the holy God that the angels can't say anything, but holy, holy, holy took up residence in this garbage can. And you, you let me take you through all of my struggles and my trials and my difficulties. And the whole time you're not walk. You could walk away, but you don't. You plead. You groan. That I might understand who you are. That I might understand what you have for me. The plan. Not just for time, but forever. Forever is a long, long time. Walking with Christ is a choice. He chose to walk with you. Will you choose to walk with him? If he lets you take him through your places of struggle, would you let him take you to where he dwells now? Place of life, virtue, blessing and strength, hope, giftings. Things that God alone could give to you and I as his people. The more I study this, the more I'm overwhelmed by it. The thought, oh God, even preparing this message, I was thinking of some of the places that I've made him walk with me through. But today, 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 Christ is coming soon, folks. Sooner than we think. Today, today, if you can hear his voice, if you can hear his voice, agree with God. Say, Lord, uh, you live in me and you're going to give me the power to be the person that you've desired that I should be. Open my ears to hear you, my eyes to see you, and help me to realize, God, every day that Everywhere I go, you go. Let there never be a day when it comes to the point where you can't speak to me anymore. May I never go there. May I never, ever go there. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for the solemn, strong presence of your Holy Spirit. In this sanctuary, in North Jersey, in the annex and online. Lord, you are calling a people now to yourself. As you say in the book of Hebrews, the day of this ignorance you have winked at, but now you're calling all men everywhere back to yourself. God, give us the grace that we need now. The strength to let you be God in us. The courage to face our struggles and failures. And the intelligence 
to know that you love us with a love that we don't fully understand. But thank you, Lord, that we can still hear your voice. My altar call is so simple this morning. And it covers a broad spectrum of where we live and what we're doing and where we are. And it's just really, really simple. I'm going with God. I'm going with God. And let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart now. And you know what going with God means. You know where you have to leave. You know what you have to trust God to give you the power to stop doing. You know in measure, maybe, what God has for you in the future. But you know what getting up and going with God means. It's an agreement with God. I will let you lead me, Lord. I will ask you for an awareness of your presence in my life every day. I will ask you for strength to avoid where I shouldn't go and to embrace where I need to go. Ask for the grace today to never grieve the Holy Spirit of God. May you never plead for me in vain. I can't even lead you in a prayer because this, it has to be you. It has to come from your heart. It has to be a, a life decision, not just a moment at an altar, but a, something in the heart that says, God, I'm going to walk with you. God, I'm going to walk with you. God, thank you for being merciful to me in my struggles and my trials and my dirt. And Thank you for not abandoning me. If nothing else, it just shows you and I the greatness of his love, the greatness of his redemption, that he didn't walk away from us. We can still hear his voice. He's still groaning for us inside. Father, just thank you, Lord, for the numbers of people, Lord, that you've spoken to today. God, we have no way to count it. You're the only one who knows for sure where the sincerity is in the heart. But, oh God, may you not ever cry over us in vain. May our lives, Lord, truly be an offering to you. May our message be, as the prodigal son, just all about mercy. How merciful you are, how wonderful you are, how willing to run to us in our mess and run with us in our mess. God, thank you. God, thank you. Make us a holy people, Lord. Make us a people that really do bring honor to your name. Father, we thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord. There's so many new Christians here in this church, Lord. I just pray for your help, God. Your help, Lord. It has to be a supernatural thing. It has to be your power inside of us. Otherwise, no one can do it, Lord, without you. But in you, all things are possible. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. May our conversions be genuine in this house, Lord. Our praise be real. Our lives be a light everywhere we go, God. God, may we never be darkened vessels claiming to have the light. And we thank you for this, Lord, with all of my heart, God. With all of my heart. I ask you, Jesus, as you asked your Father, let none of these be lost, Lord. Not even one. None, Lord. May I have the privilege of bringing them home. And I thank you for it with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.